Hey everyone, I am Priya Sachdeva and you are listening to Trending Diary the podcast. Your journey to connect with ideas, stories, experiences and people and get a deeper understanding of the world around you starts now. Today I am joined with Carly Garcia, a visual communication artist and an educator. Moreover, a entrepreneur. At the intersection of art, technology and education, the lady is dedicated to empowering learners facilitate aha moments and inspiring innovations as a dot connector she believes in the power of visuals to simplify complex information and connect people naturally she possesses a deep passion for all things communication high five which manifests as a large attention span for typography and a large collection of pens and notebooks oh freak that even i do Very excited to have some valuable and fun chat with this lady over the dark, white and even the witty side of feminism. How we as women can rise above the pink wash and be each other true allies. Tune in. So if you are a creator or an individual who is willing to tell your own story or maybe you want to start a podcast maybe a brand or businessman thinking how these podcasts can help you or can benefit you I have a solution for you I'm designing a course how to start a podcast an ultimate guide for beginners on Udemy where you can learn everything from creation to monetizing your content and how you can add storytelling to your content You can access the course on Udemy for free adding trending diary coupon code. You can find the link in the description above. Thank you Gadi first of all welcome to the trending diary and thank you for taking up the time. Of course, my pleasure. How are you today? Uh, I'm I'm really I'm good. Um it's a little warm here. There's a little bit of thunderstorms happening outside so the weather is a little um up and down. Mm-hmm. Um but it's still summer and I'm still, you know, excited for um for the nice weather and being outdoors more. So it's all good. Yeah, same same I can feel that in India also it's pretty summer spot. Yeah, I can imagine. Uh okay, talking about the today's topic that you have chosen feminism so first of all i just want to know that what do you think how this term the feminism has changed over the years means what the feminism had been uh, interpreted a few years before and now what is mm-hmm. now what is the present scenario for the gen zers for the millennials what is the, this typical term feminism means yeah so um the waves i understand that there are waves of feminism and that the current wave that we're in doesn't necessarily have um a name or a specific uh goal um and a lot of people are talking about you know are we in the third wave or are we in the fourth wave and i'm not sure that the semantics of where we are matters as much as um some of the underlying issues that either you know have had the needle move a little bit and then other issues that you know where the needle hasn't really moved um at all um so you know we're still even though women are you know in the workforce um 
we're still dealing with, um, you know, the pay gap, the gender pay gap um, across the globe, not just the United States. Um, and now with COVID, um, we're seeing that a lot of the gains that women have made in the last, um, you know, 30 years or so have been, you know, have been undone <laughs> in a relatively short amount of time uh, because of those, those things like gender roles where you see a lot of women, um, the childcare falls to the women. So you've seen in COVID, you've seen a lot of women either, um, you know, either they've lost their jobs due to COVID or they had to make a decision to stay home because schools were closed and um, childcare is very expensive. So the burden, you know, the burden in that case fell to the women and that's why they, they left the workforce in, in that case. So there's a lot of, um, there's a lot to be said about um, how quickly uh, the gains have been uh, taken, you know, have, have been lost. Um, in the last year and a half, so. And if, if talking about one book or one movie that every woman should mm -hmm. read on feminism, what should it be? Mm. Well, uh, there's so many books. Um, as an English teacher, I, it's hard for me to choose one book. But there is a book that I read last year called Hood Feminism by Mickey Kendall. And that um, takes a, a, a dive into the past, present, and the future of feminism. It talks about the waves. It talks about um, exclusionary practices in the original feminism. Um, so it gives you a bird's eye view, but it also gets really kind of into the nitty gritty, into the weeds about what feminism um, could really actually be in practice versus that kind of commodified uh, version of it, which is very much steeped in um, women kind of being pitted against each other in terms of, um, you know, gender expression, you know, whether or not, um, you know, it's like who deserves femininity, who deserves rights. Um, and she speaks a lot about societal structures, like, for example, like a lot of women tend to be in lower, lower wage jobs. Right, and a lot of women end up being the caretakers of, of the household of children. So she speaks to like infrastructure issues where you know if you're if it's really hard to find um, affordable housing, if it's really hard to find childcare, like all of those things are um, preventing all women from being able to um, improve their lives. Whereas the first uh, or the second wave, um, the wave that has the most kind of like cultural dominance, like women fighting for, you know, higher pay, wanting to have careers, wanting to be taken seriously like men, uh, the glass ceiling, trying to, you know, survive in corporate America, that kind of thing. Mickey Kendall talks about how um, that conversation left out, you know, well, if you want to be a CEO and you have three kids, you know, and your, your husband's working, you know, it's all heter very heteronormative conversation anyway. It's like, okay, well, who is, 
taking up the slack is, is, is basically is what she's you know talking about in that book and it's a really good um it's a really good read because it um kind of comes at the topic from a lot of different angles that I think is easily I think it's very easy to understand whereas so the most, whereas there are other yeah so what is the best practical applications you have learned from that um whew, there's a lot um I think <laughs> There's really a lot. I think the conversations around feminism and who is feminist, who who gets to be a feminist, um, I think it's uh, not necessarily always about like infighting, but it it speaks to how easy it is for for groups of women to judge other groups of women, and so that's where I think. Um, that's I spend a lot of my time thinking about um, Lady Macbeth um, from Shakespeare, you know, from from Macbeth, and thinking about how um, we really need to look at the the issue of power. Um, you know, feminism starts off at this like this this gender conversation, but what it doesn't do enough of, I think, is um, speak to like how that power dynamic came came to be right so when you read Macbeth and you you see how Lady Macbeth is this behind the scenes um uh driving force of trying to get her husband to be more masculine right and so there's this connection of power and masculinity that that hasn't really weakened um you have uh her saying, you know, unsex me here. Um, she wants her femininity to, uh, she wants to be able to put her femininity down so that she can pick up masculinity so that she can get done what she needs to get done, which is like a series of murders, you know, so that she could have um, power, right? And that power is, um, it doesn't exist in that, in that um, you know, context. It doesn't exist without, Macbeth himself because she can't assume the throne right like she can't she can't get power on her own she has to go through this masculine channel to get power and then she's upset and then she's upset with her own husband because he's not acting man enough you know so that yeah so that conversation is I think that conversation is um, it's more uh, likely that people would be able to understand that train of thought today than you know 20 years ago it would be like maybe considered blasphemous. But then again, the irony is that uh, Shakespeare has been dead for 400 years, and this uh, example is still very much um, you relevant. can find this example and yeah, it's relevant. very relevant. You can find you know there's a lot of women who. Um, have learned and they're and then decided that power is masculine and they could be walking around saying I'm a feminist and not actually realize how much they are undermining themselves by by making sure that power it remains masculine and again you know I was about to ask this question that uh, in today's era in in the modern world, when we speak about the inner voice of a woman, of a lady, when, you know, she thought that I'm more than, uh, more than a lady for my husband, more than a mother for my kid, or more than just a house taker, house caretaker. 
So, and that voice can be anything that's related to her career, that passion, the calling. So do you want to say anything about that particular voice that how that women can embrace that voice and do not reluct herself into, mm. you know, just old conventional uh, sayings or whatever we have believed so far. So anything around that. Uh, so, so the inner voice, Yeah. how do we keep, I mean, how do we recognize yes. and like kind of check? Personally, I believe that, you know, recognize yeah. that, you know, recognizing that, you know, voice can take women mm. so far, whether it's in her career, whether whatever yeah. she wants to achieve, do, or even to contribute something for, for the world or the family. So, but beyond, right, right. beyond all the conventional thing that a lady's just made for her husband or kids, right. stuff like that. So what can you say that, okay, just re- how to embrace that inner voice? Mm. Yeah, I think it's, it's really important to A, to read, to um, look at multiple, multiple perspectives, to look at history, um, mm. to do your own research. And then it's really important to um, be able to stop comparing yourself. And I know that's a tall order because women are basically conditioned from birth to constantly be comparing themselves to other women. So if you can recognize, right, if you're out in the world and you can recognize from the moment you wake up and you're doing a skincare routine or you're choosing what clothes to put on, if you can recognize you know, am I putting this on? Am I doing this behavior because it makes me feel good? Or am I doing this behavior because it makes me feel better than another woman? Mm-hmm. Right? And Do I think that's right where... Do it for the right reason. Yeah. And, it, and that's the thing. Like, that's the slippery slope. Like, what is the right reason? Right? Um, and I think the conversation started to happen about, you know, morality and respectability. Well, the conversation reemerged um, when Megan Thee Stallion and Cardi B's video came out uh, last year for WAP, and everybody was talking about, you know, policing women's bodies and who gets to be sexual and who doesn't get to be sexual and showing skin is bad and like all these conversations. It's an old conversation that's being had, and it's just the, the players are different, but the story is the same. So I find in my in my you know, reflection, I find that women are the most judgmental of women, period. (laughs) And, you know, when you're out in the world, your confidence shouldn't be based on somebody else's lack of confidence. You know, your your confidence in yourself should have nothing to do with um, your perception of like how close some other woman is to like a racist beauty standard. Um, (laughs) You know, and that's, it's hard to untake, it's really hard to do that because there's entire businesses that are dedicated to causing you to feel bad about yourself so that you go out and buy things, right? To kind of fill a void when the void is the fact that you're being tricked into this comparison, you're being tricked into thinking that you need to look a certain way for in some respects and then for just feeling like you're prettier than the next girl and that you're going to be picked you know and that's where your 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 confidence come from comes from and yeah. what i've learned is the, sorry um, i'm interrupting you're very right uh when you you talked about today thing that yeah. all of the 
cosmetic brands or the businesses you know very much pointed out that they they make you feel that there is a tame void in you and then you have to buy certain product that in india there was a very famous campaign of fair and lovely which had been a you know very recognized brand and it always it has a seller selling point that um, just because you are not fair buy fair and lovely and it will make you fair like what what are you saying yeah why someone wants to become fair and even if then how fair and lovely can do that so right now right. because of the awareness because of the people like you educators like you this thing mm-hmm. has changed a lot a lot mm-hmm. of cosmetic brands have changed and you know they're trying to aware people for the right thing and they're selling with the right. right perspective but you're so right like if i talk about 5 yeah. years ago or before these things did exist and for some people and for some brands it does now also so thank yeah. you for pointing out Yeah, and I think, you know, in, in terms of like women in beauty, I think about, you know, my my great-grandmother, she was 102 years old, and I think about the differences like when I catch myself thinking about things and getting stressed out, I think about, you know, this wasn't how it always was. And I think about my grandmother who was 102, and I and I know for a fact that like her the things that she was thinking about were very different than the things that I think about because of how much society has changed. Exactly. Um and going back to the conversation about like confidence building and like the inner monologue, um last 2 years ago I was skimming through this really cool book and I will tell you the name of it because I don't want to get it wrong. Um but there was a chapter in the book talking about, you know, the external like over-reliance on the external for happiness. ฉันไม่ได้ไปเรียนเรื่องนี้ฉันไม่ได้ไปเรียนเรื่องนี้ฉันไม่ได้ไปเรียนเรื่องนี้ฉันไม่ได้ไปเรียนเรื่องนี้
how biology informs behavior and, and informs roles, right? Um, but there's just a lot, there was a lot of um, narrow, narrow thinking um, and a lot of women found themselves in a position of thinking that they were marrying for love, thinking they were doing the right thing and then their husbands left, left them. And the United States has, the divorce rate is, is extraordinarily high here because we practice this belief of like happiness is something that is on the other end of a debit card, you know, a credit card. Whereas the book, um, it's called, um, oh my gosh, the it's it's by Joe Dispenza, the breaking breaking the habit of being yourself by Joe. I think it's Dr. Joe Dispenza, and um, and I will I will I'll link it to you, and I'll and I'll say it again at the end of my sentence. Um, but this chapter that I was reading was really, I think it's really an important thing to think about. Like if you're, if you're relying too much on things outside of you, right. You're not looking at like, oh, I'm really talented, you know, and, and that should be enough for me to be really talented. I shouldn't feel like I have to chase a moving target, right. To be happy. And that could literally be anything, you know, some people are like, I have to have my cup of coffee in the morning or like, don't talk to me. But what if, what happens when the target gets removed, right? What happens if there's uh, something happens to the coffee bean crops, like there's a whole bunch of locusts and then there's no more coffee beans. Now you've put all your power, you've given it all away to the cup of coffee in the morning and it could easily be taken away. So women, I think, have to really be um, actively engaging in the internal, right? In, deciding to be happy, not waiting to be happy. So how can one practice that particular thing? Because I really yeah. love the point you have made that it's really important to rely more into the yeah. internal things rather than just seeking out whether it's a man, whether it's the money, whether it's anything. But mm -hmm. rather than seeking mm -hmm. things out, you have to seek inside. Yeah. Who are yeah. you? What are your talents? Yeah. Why right. are you here? What you can do? What right. So how one can do mm -hmm. that? How one women can do that? I got a couple of ideas. The first idea has to do with knowledge, right? Mm -hmm. Gaining knowledge, um, knowing what happened, knowing that history repeats itself. That's number one. The second thing is taking time out for um, solitude, right? And not being afraid of like your own thoughts, mm -hmm. um, meeting your thoughts, whether or not they're good or bad, meeting them, like naming them, saying like, I'm thinking X, which is making me feel Y. And then really just looking at it as, as neutral and not assigning, you know, like it's the summer, right? So every woman on the face of the planet is being marketed like beach body, get beach ready, Right. And it's just like, but we've, but we're human beings and we have always gone swimming. There's no such thing as a beach body. Mm -hmm. Right. So really like looking at the messaging, <laughs> looking at the messaging and looking at, and then asking yourself why, hmm, right. And then how much time do you want to spend? Right. Because the time piece is that's, um, I, I, I don't know how to put it. Like time is all we have. So how much time do you want to spend agonizing over your beach body, 
right? Versus just going swimming, like just do the thing. <laughs> Completely. <laughs> so, I have, uh, I have yeah. heard stories about that. And even the point that yeah. I made, that, that's again relevant to me because uh, recently I am reading my uh, Hindu, you know, holy book, which is Gita. And mm-hmm. these old mm-hmm. things, you know, seeking knowledge, spending time with yourself, having the time for the meditation, karma, all these points have been made yes. in that. So that's, yes, there are some beauty in our ancient texts also, which we can follow, whether it's about the India or anyone yes. from the world. So thank you for right. reminding me this again. Yes. And meditation, I know some people hear meditation and they think it's like, you know, they think whatever they think, but <laughs> meditation you know, meditation is very, um, I think it's very, I think it's extremely important. I think it's becoming more and more important as we get more and more technological, as we get more and more kind of like absent-minded and more and more kind of like short attention spans, you know, because of the pace of life and technology and all these things. And I think that the, if you want to get close to nature or if you're feeling kind of disconnected, the, the what better way to get connected than like with yourself like because you're part of nature right so quiet the mind yes right build your relationship back with yourself through breathing through meditation through exercise because you know through exercise through through being outside in the um you know in in nature um I think that is part of the reason why people have a lot of anxiety is because they're not realizing that they feel disconnected from nature, you know? And that's a bigger, I think that's a bigger um, conversation, you know, outside of, of course, outside of feminism, but I definitely think it's connected to like, women have a lot of things on their minds, right? Like women are doing like all kinds of calculations, constantly, our brains are constantly in the future right? Like we're playing chess. We're playing chess all day, right? We're playing chess all day, thinking about like 10 steps ahead. So, and that's exhausting. It's not that it's, it's not wrong. It's exhausting. And you just have to recognize that that's what your brain is doing and that you need to take time, right? To like, to recharge, you know, step back, recharge, um, because you're not, no one is going to be you can't do anything for anyone unless you like kind of fill your own cup, right? You can't yeah. pour from an empty cup is something that I hear often. And unless you are healthy and fit, you won't be able to do anything for yourself, neither for your family, nor for yeah. the world. So that's, uh, that, exactly. that's why we yeah. say take care of yourself first. And this reminds me, I need exactly. a trip, trip to the nature. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. So yeah, I think that's the, the way to, um, you know, get out of your own head um, in terms of this feminism thing, especially when you're having these conversations when they get popular. You know, if a, if, if a celebrity says something or something is in the news, it's very easy to like let your emotions drive your reaction. And I think that's the moment where you like pause and name your feeling and then walk backwards, like name the feeling and then go backwards and figure out why you feel that way. Like, what are the thoughts? What's the history? What's the behavior um, that led you to feel um, that particular emotion at that, at that point in time? Um, and that could be very calming for people, especially if they haven't done it before. And it can be scary for people if they haven't done it before also. And 
I was about to ask this next question when you said that it has become literally sure. a hype among celebrities because lots of people are promoting it, right? And what yeah. I believe, probably it's just my observation, that don't you think that it has itself become a whole market? Like people are uh, producing content and more than just content, content is more about the awareness, but they're producing, uh, you know, products around it. They are creating community and somewhere it becomes mm-hmm. a selling point for many companies, many people. Yeah. So I think it, it's a, right. become a market, but I really want to experience the true essence of it. We're literally, you know, when we say like, there's a bro thing that, you know, mm-hmm. dance yourself in the sports or any team, whatever it happens, mm-hmm. similar should happen with the ladies also, rather than being there, you know, for they should be their best allies. So, uh, so what do you think yeah. that rather than just uh, mm-hmm. the part of a marketing ca- campaign or uh, being sold by something, the kind of hype yeah. that other people yeah. create, what do you think, how can we uh, mm-hmm. relate to the true essence of feminism? How can we relate to the true essence of womenhood mm-hmm. where, where we are literally coming out, like either you coming to me or me coming to you, whether it's in the terms of... So, uh, supporting each other, collaborating with each other, be there for each other mm. or anything. Mm. So I want to understand that particular yeah. sense and how can you be the part of this true community? Ooh, that is, um, that's the question, right? Um, <laughs> how do, like, can, can feminism be truly accomplished in this a very masculine power, you know, capitalist society. Um, And I think that it can, I think that it can be, I think it can be because we've seen um, researchers and, you know, data, you know, analysts who, who have looked at communities and say, when you uplift the women in the community, everyone benefits, right? And so taking that into account, no matter where you are on the globe, right? If you take that into account, um, I think it really comes down to um, if you have an idea, right? If you're a woman and you're listening, you're having a conversation about feminism or um, something adjacent to it, then I think it really comes down to acting and saying, look, I know someone who understands where I'm coming from. And I know that it's going to be tricky and hard, but we really want to create um, a space for X or whatever, you know, whatever it is, whether or not it's a book club, like we're going to read this book and we're going to get informed about it. And we're going to have conversations with each other as we learn about this topic, or it's going to be, Hey, we want to uplift, you know, women in this particular community by, um, you know, holding weekly, monthly, you know, meetings, uh, to, to, for like nutri- you know, nutrition in like a food desert or something like that. Um, I think it really comes down to saying that or thinking that it can be done as opposed to thinking like this problem is too big for any one person to make a difference. I think that's a lot of the reasons why people don't move ahead with ideas, um, especially community ideas, because if you only live your life online, it's very easy to think that like no one cares about anybody, right? It's very easy. Like if you're just looking at comments, it's very easy to get discouraged and to think that people are not going to be willing to show up. But I think it's the opposite. I think that people are dying to show up. Like they want to find a place where they can make a difference. And that's the thing that makes people um, the most like motivated, you know, when they feel like it's 
I'm going to put in this energy for this thing that's really bigger than me. And it looks like it's going to be able to have an impact. That's what makes people realize that their, their little, you know, like their little bit of energy and then someone else's little bit of energy, like, and then all of the energy like multiplies, you know, that's what gets people to, you know, donate most donations from like large companies. I was doing some research on funding last week and a lot of the, like, you know, a lot of the cancer um, organizations like Susan G. Komen and those, they get like maybe the, you know, they get a lot of like $30 donations, like from millions of people, you know, they have like millions of dollars, millions upon millions of dollars. And the average person is not giving like a thousand dollars, but I think a lot of people stop and think like, well, I can give five, I can give 10, I can give 20. And like, it's not really going to make a difference. But when everybody, when a million people give $20, that's, that's a huge difference. And again, you have made a beautiful point that, you know, when we talk about the virtual world or when we listen to the news, indeed it shown up or pop up, like there are not so good people in the world, whatever, whether it's we talk or listen about the terrorism, uh, about the mm -hmm. patriarchy society or anything, any social issue, anything happening in the world. But when you literally go out in your neighbor, when you literally go out to search for the fr true friends, for the right people, they are there, mm -hmm. you know? And you don't yeah. even have to go out to search for them. They are just living yeah. beside your next door. I personally have felt that I had been living uh, far from the house from quite a years like five seven years and mm -hmm. still every time I go out and there are people who are helping me out whether it's for the basic necessity whether it's about the sh sharing the food whether it's about the helping you in your career anything there are really good people yeah. I, I, and I think yeah. oh my god why this news people are sharing, sharing that bloody hype why <laughs> I mean that the real life is literally far opposite to it far yeah yeah and I think to your point um, I agree that there is um, like empowerment is has become a business, right? Mm -hmm. You know, writing books and regurgitating a lot of feel-goodery talking points and very pretty Instagrams and that kind of thing. I think that's part of it and it mm -hmm. like draws people in. But I think that there are people already doing the work, you know, there's people who, you know, volunteer, there's people who... Um, challenge their friends, you know, on their opinions about things, you know, um, and, you know, and I've seen in my, in the last like year and a half, a lot of the people who I've met who have been very helpful, you know, mentors, um, shoulders, ears, um, the majority of them have been women, you know, and I find that to be very interesting. And I think that, you know, women are definitely like, once we kind of get like an idea in our heads or something, it's very hard to, you know, we get like a one track mind. Um, and by the same token, I would say in America, in terms of going back, you know, going back to basics or going back to realizing why things are the way they are, right? What I find to be very interesting is the conversation around education, right? So. In America, um, education is very uh, messy for lack of a more in-depth description. And a lot of that history has to do with good schools and bad schools and the, and the rhetoric 
right? If we're not looking at the rhetoric that we're using and where that came from, like you can, it's very easy in the English language to be talking in front of someone and have them not know what you're saying at all, right? Because of rhetoric. So we have to understand as women who have the children and raise the children, we have to all understand where did the rhetoric of good school and bad school originate from? Because there's a lot of uh, conversations that are very hard to have if you do not understand the historical pieces, right, of the puzzle, mm-hmm. you know. So it's it's very hard to say, you know, it's very hard to, to look at um, for one woman. There was a really good uh, TV show miniseries called Little Fires Everywhere mm-hmm. that looked at these very different women and their very different socioeconomic statuses. Um, and it just kept peeling back the layers of like, you know, what led these women to, to cross paths. And it's very easy for some women to judge other women because they don't know, right, how society has created these barriers for, for other people and not you. <laughs> yes, yes. And, right? and we can take a yeah. perfect example of different countries. You know, do not go beyond maybe if I I say that, what is the status or what's the kind of aura or, you know, how women Mm -hmm. in US carry herself. It's very different in India. And there's nothing wrong Mm -hmm. about it because we have a certain Mm -hmm. culture, you have a certain culture and we have different values, we have different values, but it's it's the different situation. Similar with the rich school, with the any status or wherever you say that, you know. So it's yeah. very different. Yeah. We are not supposed and we are not open to judge someone just because we haven't experienced right. similar situation because of our, our values, upbringings and lots of things. So you're right. Right. Yeah. And one of the, you know, it's, it's interesting because one of the examples of like um, education and then like the fact that you're always learning is the book, um, The Feminine Mystique which was very much kind of tied to the second wave of feminism in in the United States. And there's a critique um, uh, that Bell Hooks gave of the author, Betty Friedan, um, which kind of unravels, um, you know, the feminine mystique in terms of here was this book that sold a million copies and started a movement, right? Like what I said, like when women get an idea, it's like, boom. And so this book came around and really galvanized women and made them start to think about like equality and, and about their like sovereignty, like outside of um, like being a mom, a housewife, a, you know, that kind of thing. And Bell Hooks is saying, you know, well, this book is really, you wrote it for people like you, which are rich, you know, upper middle-class white, white women with husbands that have plenty of money and she was basically saying like, well, you wrote this for people who were bored with their privilege, right? And just wanted, and like wanted, they were looking for meaning outside of motherhood, outside of wifedom, but it left out all these other kinds of women, (laughs) you know, like it left out women, capital W. It was only talking about like women that look like you. So exclusionary, um, you know, I'm convinced, I'm almost 40, I'm convinced that humans are just like naturally trying to categorize 
and exclusion is a byproduct of that. I think there are people who are out here trying to purposefully exclude others. And I think that there are other people out here who just don't have the foresight to see that what they're doing is exclusionary. So it's too, you know. Sorry, what did you exclude? Oh, exclude exclusionary. Okay, exclusionary. so um, what, what do you mean yeah, by that so, word here? Exclusionary. Yeah, yeah. So keeping so keeping people out on purpose versus um, accidentally not being inclusive. So to your point earlier about the empower the female like the feminism movement being commodified, you know people, you know, making money off of it. There's been a lot of books, you know, lately in the last decade, 15 years, there's been a lot of books out, you know, about, you know, there was Lean In, there was, um, what, what was that woman, the Yahoo, the CEO, Sheryl Sandberg, uh, she was the big name and she was talking about all, you know, things that people were, were listening and it was like, yeah, but people are listening to, you always have to look at it as who, who's delivering the message, right? Because Sheryl Sandberg was saying things that other people have all have, have said in the past. And I have not read her book, but I've, I always read about, you know, I read reviews and I know enough to know that the things that she was saying was packaged in a way to, to hit a certain audience, right? Because that's how marketing works. You know, you can't, you can't just say like, Hey, I want to do this book. And then, cause the, you know, the publishing companies are just like, okay, well, what's the demographic that's the priority it's what's the demographic and then they work backwards to create to create the content it's not the other way around you know what i mean and so cheryl sandberg's book came out and everybody was talking about you know you know this new um way of women kind of asserting their power and not you know being apologetic and all those things but this woman is a CEO of one of the biggest, you know, companies. And she, you know, she's speaking from a place where the reason why she gets to be CEO is most likely because of what Bell Hook said. She's relying on people that are not at that same socioeconomic level, you know, for childcare, for home care. You know, you know, it's, it's one of those things. It's like, okay, so when you're in meetings and flying all over the world, like who's taking care of your kids? Is your husband a stay-at-home dad? You know, what school, like who are the people, you know, the school system is 75% women, nice. period. And, and, and on top of that, it's 75% white. So there's that. <laughs> so even if you're not even trying, right? Even if you're not even trying, you're still like, I'm going to send my kids to this public school. The odds that all of their teachers are going to be white women is pretty, is better than a lot of. <laughs> so there's, sense. you know, that's, and that's the thing that I think, some, you know, some women, either they fail to understand or they, or they don't understand, or it takes a certain person to like point something out that's been there the whole time. Um, to, to kind of look at, you know, oh, okay, well, what's the impact of this piece of information on the whole picture, right? Mm -hmm. It's very much, some people can understand the whole, some people can understand the parts, and some people understand how the parts, right? The sum of the parts is greater than the whole, right? And so that's um, something to consider, um, especially when you're trying to become informed 
about something that you were not informed about before or something that you thought you knew about, but you know, life is not static. You know, life That's is not static and there's a lot- That's the beauty. Yeah. There's a lot of learning to be done. Yeah. And honestly, I think that feminism, you know, the future of feminism really has to do with um, looking at language, our everyday, are looking at our everyday language. How do we talk about ourselves? How do we talk about people? You know, if, if women are, are walking around being like, oh, I'm so fat, uh, like, you know, the way that you talk about yourself, oh, I'm so, I'm so, um, I'm so ugly. I'm so, I wish I was dot, 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 right? The way that we talk about ourselves is important. The way that we talk about others is important. And we have to redefine, you know, we have to redefine um, power because at the end of the day, there's still so much energy placed on trying to like undermine masculine power. <clears throat> and the irony is that a lot of the reasons why men culturally feel like they can do whatever they want and get away with murder is because that's how they were raised by their mother. There's a lot of irony. There's a lot of irony in feminism, right? Mm -hmm. It's women are fighting to be seen as equal to men, but then there are mothers who treat their sons like they're above everyone. Indeed. Like they can't do anything wrong ever. And that's ironic to me. That that's that conversation to me too, is not because in India, it's yeah. it's a quite a popular phrase, you know, that uh, mm. it happens. I have seen that probably not in my house. I've been lucky and best to not to encounter that. Mm. But uh, yeah. I belong to a town where I have seen people such kind of mentality and where a boy is always treated very superior than her sister. And even if not superior, then, you know, not in certain ways that okay you are there take a chill and uh, your sister is there to serve you and stuff 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 like that and yeah. a day before right. I had just encountered with a few phrases and words with a lady where she had you know mentioned something like that that for a parental note it's really important to teach your to bring your kids in a certain way don't tell your daughter to serve your you know brother because he's a guy or she's a girl it's just he's responsible yeah. for his stuff for his mistakes for everything as much as the girl if it's the cooking skill yeah. teach both of them because it's the surviving one if it's about cleaning the house yeah. teach both of them so yeah right yeah. right absolutely and that's really that conversation you know i have a, a writing partner one of my friends um who's also an artist and we're we're always kind of um, talking about, well, you know, we talk about feminism a lot and we're trying to work on putting something together, um, you know, whether or not it's like a play or something to kind of explore these topics. But mm -hmm. she, you know, has said to me, you know, in her, in her experience, because she's uh, biracial and, you know, she said to me, like her mom basically treated her, her brother, like he was the king of the house. And, I didn't have that experience in my home. I have that experience as an, you know, living in America. I've seen, I've seen, you know, I've experienced it by just by being here and in the world. Mm -hmm. um, and I've traveled, I've lived abroad and, 
um, when I, I taught in China for, for a summer and I saw, and I was, you know, I had this, this student who, um, what was it? I had this student who was like super cute, of course, he was like three years old. And for lunch, for lunch one day, one of the ladies in the office, it was like an after school kind of language program. And this lady was helping this little boy like eat a piece of chicken by literally holding it up to his mouth and turning the piece of chicken so that he could just like bite it for, you know, and like he didn't have to hold it. And I asked my friend and I was like, okay, so can you just explain to me what is happening here? Like, I'm not going to make any assumptions. I know he's three, but I just need to know what I'm seeing. And she explained to me there, you know, in China that there's this emperor complex that's their, that's their, you know, phrasing for it, where the boys get treated like emperors as opposed to like a king, you know, mm-hmm. and it's global, you know, my, my cousin, uh, uh, one of my friends actually, um, who's Jamaican, she said the same thing. She was like, yeah, my brothers got treated totally different than me, you know, and it's not, you know, I want it to be, I want the conversation to be not American, you know, America acts like it's responsible for everything good and bad. Mm-hmm. But this idea of like the boys being more valued than the girls, America didn't invent that. <laughs> that's not a Western thing. That's a that's a global thing. And if, and if we want to believe me, because I wasn't aware. I thought maybe that's just happening yeah. in my neighborhood. Even I, I wasn't realizing <laughs> it that even it happened in the yeah. metropolitan city or anywhere. But the way you mentioned, probably it does seems like more of a global idea. That I guess that yeah. And that's right. helpful. Absolutely. That's bad to know that. Really. Right. Yeah. And that's where um, I think knowing, I think seeing it, I think, you know, sometimes people see things without realizing that that's what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, seeing it, recognizing it, naming it um, is really important. Um, the way that we talk to our, our girls, the way that we talk to our boys, you know, if we're, if we, if we're still telling girls that, you know, don't bother with math and science if we're still if we're still doing that if that you know then that's uh we have to keep ourselves in check and we have to keep other people in check when we hear the language that's being used to create these these like divisions of of thoughts right it's not even um because you don't even know, like when you're like eight years old, like you have no idea, you know, you don't know, but um, you know, if you're being treated differently, you know that, but you don't necessarily understand like, well, why is this adult saying that I should go and try out for the dance team instead of learn how to code, mm-hmm. you know, or why, or why is the, you know, gender, gender roles, you know, the more we, the more we try to pigeonhole the kids, the more we're gonna, like, we're, it's just gonna be a constant, um, I don't want to say battle because it sounds negative, but we have to have our inner peace so that we can maintain this marathon because one person teaches another person and then it, and then it multiplies. So mm-hmm. I don't think that this conversation around, you know, this, this conversation around e- equity with gender it's not going anywhere anytime soon. So you have to like find your energy and you have to hunker down because it's going to be a long ride. Indeed. And, uh, you know, regarding your context where you said that it's all about asking the right questions, 
just recently a little girl's video become viral in India, in my area especially, where that little girl asked her mother that why always in books it stated that it's man-made. No, and why it's not women-made, you know? Why it's always said that yeah. why men, all men are equal. Why it's never said that all people are equal. So, you know, these yeah. little words make a big difference. And when that girl, yeah. little girl asked this uh, question in a very pretty accent made big difference because when that little girl have senses to realize that that this is not fair this is not yeah. right right where our senses had gone why are we not realizing that all people yeah. are equal even if men can build it create it women can too right mm-hmm. and i love that. i love that i love that yeah that's great and the kids you know the kids are being more um they're more informed. There's more information and they're just inherently going to be more informed and they're going to be more quick to question than they are to accept. Yes. And that yeah. curiosity should be in everyone, not even in kids, I guess. That, that curiosity yeah. made us to live more, to be excited about the talks, about the conversation, about the change, about doing things. I guess for me, curiosity has been the key. Absolutely. I agree. I wholeheartedly agree. Because the second, the day that you think that you know everything, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, a, it's a wrap. You, you know, there's just so much learning to do and it's a process and it's messy. Um, but that's, that's gigantic brains in our head. Okay, coming to the next question, what would be the most significant difference between a male dominant and a world led by women? This is regarding your context where you know shared that how different our world would be when this power become in the hand of a woman when we have more lady presidents, more lady leaders yeah. all around the world. Yeah. So what do you think how the world would look like yeah. when we have most uh, women leading the countries. Yeah, right. I think actually that's a really great question um, because I think that it is, it's a fairy tale to think that the world is going to be inherently better if it's like the, if the roles are just like switched, right? If it's just like, oh, like there's, you know, a, more women, a whole bunch of women leaders um, and like women business owners and uh, women in positions of authority or whatnot. Because I think that there are right now, um, I don't want to sound not, it's not conspirator- conspiratorial, but it's almost, it sounds like a comic book. There's like a shadow, you know, there's like a shadow government, <laughs> you know. I think that there are a lot of women who are in positions of power because of the men who they are close to, mm-hmm. right? So I think it has a lot to do with time. You know, I think women are definitely creative, definitely like the ability to do multiple tasks very mm-hmm. well. I think that is, you know, it's the skill set, right? It's the, the nurturing, um, not, that, not to say that men are not nurturing, right? But it's the thinking, 
right? Back to what I said about like, we're chess, like we're thinking like 10 steps ahead, right? So I think there's a lot to be said about when you get more diversity of thought in the room, you're gonna have more options. You're gonna see things that you might have not seen before, right? Because of the kinds of mental gymnastics that people are doing that are in the room. So I think it has more to do with creating more options and getting more create creative because women, you know, there's a, there's a popular post on LinkedIn that has a bunch of like, you know, white male CEOs. And it will say something like, you know, these men have the same 24 hours as everybody or something like, these men get up at 5 a.m. every day and do all like these are their tasks or something, their schedule. And I said, that's cute because I know that there are single women, right? Single parent mothers who basically do more than any of these CEOs on a, on a daily basis. Like yes. I know for a fact that there are people who are working harder, longer, than, than these men. And it's not to take away from what those men accomplished, yeah. but we can't compare, right? We can't sit here and say that, um, that it's fair for a woman to live in a world where, where most people will look at a man and, and judge him based on his potential rather than what he actually did, right? So women, have to go in and do the thing and then be judged on it. Men show up in their, in their menness, right? As proven by all of the, the venture capitalist stats, the venture capitalists are like, oh, cool, you're a man. I'm going to give you all this money because I, I'm thinking that you look like me and the likelihood that you're going to be able to create success is very high because society is built for us to succeed because this a woman can go in with the same idea they've already done this before where a woman went in she did a pitch for her for her app or her company and got denied funding and then gave the same exact pitch to the the man friend mm -hmm. and the man went in and did his pitch and he got like you know a lot of a lot of money for the same idea that, and we still live in that world. It doesn't happen. You know? I, I haven't, you know, personally experienced it, like beyond uh, any other example you have mentioned earlier, probably that was pretty relevant to me, but probably just because of, I haven't experienced that particular, you know, thing, but literally that happened. Like if you're if we're going to a boardroom and asking for funds or any women presenting a certain idea, that, yeah. that's a gain of full. That's yeah. And women, I think, and, you know, and the thing about it is that it's hard, especially now with our, with what we're learning about gender and uh, gender expression um, and the, diff you know, the difference between like gender roles and like biological sex and all those things, like we're learning a lot. Right. And so you have to hold the learning in, in one hand, like, okay, so we're learning these things about gender and and sexuality and perform, you know, and, and biological sex. And we have to be open to the idea really that humans existed 
for this much time, right? Mm. <laughs> We've been on this planet for, for a really long time, but yeah. this idea, but the idea of like the man is responsible for this and the woman is responsible for that, that's relatively new. Like the way that we go about assigning who gets to do what in this context is relatively, is relatively new. Because if you take away our society, like if you take away um, the way that society is now, like there's no borders, there's no capitalism, there's no money, there's no politics, right? And there's just people living, you know, living and creating and bartering, right? Yes, biology informs what you can do, right? So the six foot man or the six foot woman can reach the thing that the five foot person can't reach. So yes, biology has something to do with the original delegation, mm -hmm. right? If you're a small person, you can like, you know, like remember when children had to work and in America before the labor laws, the mm -hmm. children would fit down the chimneys and they would clean the chimneys, mm -hmm. right? And it's an understatement, but children in America used to work. I don't know if the majority of the population realizes <laughs> that America had to fight for children to have right, you know, rights so that they weren't exploited. Yeah, in India um, it happened again, 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 very similar yeah. context you have shared. In India, yeah. also there are certain, you know, child labor laws that before a particular age, they're not allowed to work uh, with a no yeah. matter, you know, which status right. or which class they belong to. So there's a particular age. So right. it's to save these children yeah. to get exploited. Yeah. Right. And to that, you know, to that point, I think that um, smaller is better, you know, because the systems are built on hundreds of years of, you know, the way things were done. Mm -hmm. So even right now, like, you, you know, we have a vice president, Kamal Harris, we have mm -hmm. a, a lot of other female leaders in other countries, so somewhat you know, I love that lady. And I, and I, and I appreciate that she has been able to um, create a career for herself in a, in a, in a, a field that I know, you know, it must have been very difficult for her to be, you know, like I'm qualified, I'm supposed to be here. And then dealing with a lot of people who thought that she was inherently not qualified to be there just because she's a woman. I get that. But her presence in the White House is not going to change the very masculine origins, like the founding fathers, right, of, of America. Like, her presence alone in the White House isn't going to change how the Senate and the Congress and the House of Representatives, like it's not going to change that, you know, the way that that system, the system in and of itself, Why? you can have all the, you can have all the women, right? You could take all the men out of the government in you know in any government and just replace it with women but you but you're still have it's like okay well how does this system work and if the system is still created from a point of men are superior and women are inferior then the system itself has to change right because women couldn't vote in this country but that that change, at, at, you change know, will be bought by people you know 
and it's time, it's time and it's people and the power, the strength in numbers is always going to be a constant. But I think that in this day and age, there's a lot of distractions. There's a lot of division on purpose. There's a lot of distractions on purpose to keep people from coming together. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's why we have these little groups all, you know, all over because it's intentional, mm -hmm. right? If you, if you were like the queen of a planet mm -hmm. and you, you know, you needed to keep all well, the power, sure. right. You know, like if you were the <laughs> queen like of a, a planet queen. and you needed to keep the power, <laughs> it's the best, the best way to keep the best way to maintain power is to keep the people who, who want some of your power. The best way is to turn them on each other. Right. So like, if you got a hundred people who are pissed off at you, you're like, I, I'm one person. I can't fight a hundred people, but I can make those hundred people fight themselves mm -hmm. and forget about me. Interesting. I personally believe that, you know, more than power, it's power of people that can yeah. overcome anything. It's power of- I believe that, yeah. I believe that and I hope and I you know I hope that we don't lose the momentum. I think if that if there was anything that we had to really remember to repeat to ourselves on a regular basis is that you know there is power in numbers. And some you know and and it's not a good or bad thing. It's not like you know it it could turn into us versus them very easily and that's the irony. Yeah. Um but it's the same system, this, you know, the same uh, laws that are in place that create um, divisions amongst people, creates people to think that, you know, they are more moral than the other group. That's, you know, in America, it really comes down to this idea of like, well, I'm more Christian than you, or I'm more moral than you, or I'm I'm right. Like my way of life is right. And your way of life is wrong. And <laughs> that, that's again, I that, think it's, a, it's more of an ego state. It has nothing to do with anything. It's more of a, you know, uh, our yeah. inner self. it's more of an ego state when we, we stick to a certain belief that uh, yeah. I'm always right. You know, that's why I yeah. really like uh, one particular thing from, from the books of Mahatma Gandhi, where he had mentioned mm -hmm before every book he had, you know, written, if I'm writing something contradictory to my first thought in the first page, and right. I'm writing something very different in the last page, always believe right. and try to trust on the what I had written later on the last page. Yeah. Because I, I accept that there can be change in the thoughts, there can be, you know, addition of the information of values or anything. And it's a very bravery mm -hmm. act to accept that that, you know, a yeah. day before or a month before or an year before, I was wrong. Mm -hmm. And today I might be right, or probably it happened that after a year or a decade, my thoughts can change. And that's completely fine yeah. and a courageous way, way to accept yeah. it, right? Right. So it's right. all about rising yeah. your, above your ego. Yes, and that is, that's a great point. Um, yeah. Because I, yeah the when I said earlier um you asked about you know what's the how do you go about listening to the inner you know the inner voice and confidence and I you know I spoke to research and knowledge and gaining knowledge and meditation and the ego like really 
part of the knowledge that is really important is not just sub subject knowledge, it's understanding human, like the human brain, it's understanding emotions, it's understanding ego, you know, it's understanding all those things because if you don't know how the machine works, <laughs> then it's going to be very confused. You know, it's going to be very confusing and it's much more, it's much easier to have like an emotional reaction um, than a like pragmatic kind of objective reaction. So if you can under, if we as a people can understand our brains better and what our brains are doing and how exercise and food and, and, you know, solitude and watching TV and being on the internet, if we can really come to a place where it's more common knowledge and more common to have conversations about um, not mental health, because that implies, you know, depression. I'm not talking about that. I'm saying, you know, when the synapses are firing, like what is actually going on in the brain? Like it's a computer, like how does it work? And if we can be uh, intentional about that, I think it will help us to be more objective and less have less knee-jerk reactions, right? So less like little upset, little tiny upsets, you know, like death, death by a thousand cuts, right? Because we don't understand our brain. Right. I think that's a exactly. huge part of it. And it's one of the essential and maybe maybe a hard task. I, I don't consider it very yeah. simple thing, like any gaining other skill to, you know, understand yourself, to seek the true knowledge to understand who you are. As I said, that in context to the yes. Gita, what I had understood. And it's more easier said than done because I pro probably myself considering that kind of process that I'm exploring myself. I'm trying to understand myself. So definitely I can't preach mm -hmm. people about that. But yeah, this is something that should be, you know, people should be aware about that particular thing. Okay, even that exists, you know? Right. So Carly, till now we had, you know, discussed the problem and just trying to, we were just trying to understand the perspective and things happening all around the world. Uh, with women and uh, in terms of feminism and how ladies and girls are treated all over the world and if talking about the solution because that's what I am fond of what can be the smallest gestures by which we can teach our boys or men about the basic equality between boys and the girls the kind of good values it can be it cannot be right or wrong I should say but it's more about the choice so, I mean, if it, the right thoughts are embedded from the childhood, then how different our world would be that I believe. So what kind of values or small gestures should be embedded according to you? The advice that I have for the youth is similar to what I was talking about earlier when it comes to confidence and, um, you know, learning and being intentional about, um, you know, knowing that nobody knows everything and just being intentional about learning um, and being open to the fact that things change, you know, as we learn them. And one of my favorite quotes is that it's better to be under, uh, better to understand than to be understood. And I think that 
now, you know, in this day and age where you're just constantly, you know, we're constantly inundated with information. And sometimes it's hard to tell whether or not the information is coming from a reputable source um, or if it's being used for, you know, like nefarious reasons. And I think with kids, um, they have to have the tools of being able to pause and consider the source of the information before they react. And that's becoming harder because, you know, schools and parents are making it difficult, you know, on purpose for kids to have critical thinking skills. Um, a lot of times people are afraid of change and that shows up in, in ways where people challenge um, curriculum and they challenge, you know, the school board and they challenge um, new ways of looking at things because they don't want the new ways to be considered. You know, they're afraid of, um, you know, their kids maybe having different views than them. Um, there's a few cases, you know, that are ongoing right now in terms of, you know, school systems trying to prevent teachers from even teaching about um, current events, um, which, is, which is problematic. It's, you know, how are you gonna teach kids about how to critically look at their world, right? If you don't, um, if you're not allowed to, you know, to talk about the examples, I think it's very myopic, um, especially given, you know, the last year and a half. Completely understood. Got it. <laughs> and and it's it's really important, I guess, you know, the way you mentioned that is really important for kids to rethink. So they're curious yeah. enough. Today's kids are more advanced than ever we have known. And maybe the future, this trend and this thing will, you know, rise more. But but it's somewhere responsibility of the parents, you know, to give them that liberty, that freedom to, you know, question everything. And that's important. And when they right. question right, we are supposed to the one where we have to again rethink and again we also have to embed this critical thinking in ourselves. Okay, why is it happening? Yeah. Does it mean change? Is someone mm -hmm. getting, you know, mistreated in a certain way? Probably, you know, a slightest of change or slightest of rethinking around a certain concept can maybe save lots of lives or maybe change lots of life, make them make certain people happy. So yeah, this critical right. thinking should, you know, from children should come to the adults. So yeah. Right. Also, Absolutely. Uh, also the another thing as an old saying goes that every coin has two sides. So tell yes. me what do you think that are the reason that made the feminism a negative connotation? If we term, mm, you know, if we discuss yeah. in that terms also. Absolutely. I think that a large part of why feminism is a topic of conversation right now is because um, of there are there are people who are looking back at the history mm -hmm. of feminism in America specifically, right? So this is um, 
like a feminism, Western feminism conversation, uh, not a global, you know, I don't think it's global, the conversation, then that's one of the flaws. Um, and there are people who are, you know, who have criticized um, the original, um, well, not the original, because that was about voting rights, but like the second wave um, United States, very, it was very heavily um, dominated by white women. And I think that people are starting to unpack that in, a, in like larger, um, like wider communities. Whereas before, maybe it was just the academics that were, you know, trained to be critical thinkers and having these conversations in silos. And I think that because of technology, right, because of YouTube and Facebook and, you know, for all of the negative things that they have provided, they have also provided this, you know, a platform for people to share their knowledge and to share you know, a lot of people will come online and say things like, you know, I was today years old when I realized this. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of the times, you know, as much as comments can be very dismissive and very um, telling of the ignorance that people have, I think that a lot of people also um, are curious, you know, if you're mm -hmm. reading a thread on something that's very, um, you know, close to you and you're seeing very, very different interpretations of a post mm -hmm. that is going to cause some people to do their own research to try to figure out, you know, how are our people, how are these people having such, such different interpretations of this topic? And that in and of itself makes people curious. Um, you know, so I think that the reason why feminism today you know, might have some, some flack is because we have companies now who are trying to look like they're doing the right thing. And that usually comes in the form of things that are commodifiable. So anytime a movement turns into buy a hat, buy a shirt, buy a poster, right? Like anytime it turns more so into what you can consume as opposed to what you can change. I think that's when people start to be, you know, they start to get very suspicious and critical of people's motivations. Um, and that could turn people off, right? When, when you're not really trying to change something, you're just, you know, when you just look like you're, when you look like you understand, that's popular. And when you have, um, Kind of consumed a lot of paraphernalia um, that looks like you're in support but then I mean you could wear a t-shirt that says anything you could look like you're supporting things and not be supporting them at all and not re and not even understanding how you're not supporting those issues um, at all so I think that people are really just kind of tired of the uh, performative nature right of looking like an ally very much I agree to that point that particular thing has happened to me even before you know where I, I misunderstood with a lady with a girl you know where there was an image whether because of maybe her social media or the personal reference I have known that she's really much opinionate, opinionated about the feminism 
and and the moment came when you know i really need such kind of person in in my certain project because i i felt like these kind of person literally understand the essence of it but when i personally encountered the truth was very different so you know you said mm. very right right rather than just marketing about it it's fine to market it's because that's why we are all are surviving somewhere the marketing is the whole thing but but when it comes to such you know such topics where it's more about the human connection it's more about the human nature it's really important to understand the essence to live by example to live by the essence rather than just standing in hype right exactly and i you know in terms of the you know the reason why it's kind of difficult to grasp you know whether or not you know is this the third wave of feminism is this the fourth wave of feminism um i just think that feminism is something that's always going to be that you know we're always going to have a name for trying to um uh you know for trying to look at and address this issue of this global issue of you know masculinity being more valued than feminine than femininity you know like it's 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 um global kind of phenomenon that we see in cultures we see men being prized over women you know and it doesn't matter really where you are on the planet or in time you can see instances of that and i think feminism as a word is trying to be a catch-all term for recognizing that there is a lot of effort in trying to minimize um to minimize women you know to to undermine women to keep them in a place of servitude and to keep them in a place where they're um constantly having to negotiate their safety um you know and that's where the the first wave you know getting rights is an issue of safety you know trying to um use feminism as a means of of saying like well i just want a promotion at at my job that's what people are you know that's what people are hearing they're hearing that some versions of feminism are really only about certain people trying to break into the c suite and that's very specific and does not include all that feminism should really include and that's what i think is um it's a really it's a tangled web you know to kind of quote my dad um there's a lot of topics and that's almost comes full circle back to what um mickey kendall's book is about which is that feminism is not about like just being a woman it's not you know it's really not about that it's about everything it's about every single aspect of living because women are central right women have children rear children make decisions about the household make decisions about how to treat their son versus how to treat their daughter make decisions about school and who what's a good school and what's a bad school um are usually the first person that you know is influencing their own husband who then goes out into the world and treats women 
according to how his mother and his grandmother and his wife have dictated that he treat other women. And that is very, it's, it gets sticky. It gets sticky when people have to look at their own behavior to see where they have dropped the ball. Exactly. And before wrapping it up, there's the one thing that I'm always curious to know. So what is the one thing you are, you know, you want to see more evolving in the new world? Or I should say, what is the one trend you want to see more embrace in the new era? Hmm. Keep it short. Yeah, I want to, you know, I'm an English teacher. I'm a, you know, by trade and language is extremely important. And I would like to see people, um, across the board really to get more informed about rhetoric and where words come from because words are not, they don't come out of thin air. There's context meaning and there's literal meaning and we need to do a better job understanding the context behind the words that we use. Interesting. Context, that's what makes all the difference. Yeah. Uh, so thanks, Absolutely. Carly. It's it's great having you. I, I You're so it. welcome. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> it was really good to know somewhere. It's sad to know also that, you know, things happening all around the world. But I think uh, yeah. we, we all are the solution providers, whether it's the new generation, the girl kind of asking such kind of questions. And, you know, we discussing just to aware people, to aware listeners, to aware the ladies all around the world regarding the same topic. So thank you so much. Uh, you being an educator in your field or in general, I think is making the whole justice. So thanks. Well, thank you so much for, yeah. Thank you Priya for reaching out. Um, I, I appreciate it so much. Um, I love, you know, there's so many things I love to talk about. And I think this is a really, you know, it's a really important topic. And I, and I thank you for holding the space and asking really, really amazing questions and, you know, turning this conversation more global, global than local. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Thank you so much again. You beautiful people. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you get some value today and you amazing ladies and wonderful gentlemen be there for each other be your best allies there's nothing better than the collaboration and even if you're a creator an entrepreneur or any individual who's willing to collaborate with me i'm always open for the collaboration do dm me at the instagram page of trending diary and i also hope you might enjoy our new youtube channel the trending diary show where you can enjoy the episodes little snippets of the show from trending diary podcast in the visual forms we can see the guest enjoy the story and get the value in four or five minutes i'll see you soon in the next episode till then stay tuned and god bless us all